are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So I have an image that um, I think is helpful on a day like today that I want to remind you of. A couple of images, in fact, and I think it will kind of set uh, the direction for where we're going. So I'll put a picture of a boat on the screen, and you tell me what kind of a boat this is. It's a sailboat, and I think you can see the bill of the cap of the guy who's taking it pretty easy in the sailboat. It's not to say that if you're in a sailboat that there is nothing that you have to do. It actually requires some energy and some work, and it requires some knowledge and some training. But when you actually set your sail and you catch the wind, the wind will take you in a in a strength that you would not have in your own power. Now, I'll show you a picture of another boat, and this is a rowboat. And a rowboat is very different than a sailboat, because in a rowboat, it's pretty much dependent on your own strength and your own power and what you can accomplish. But if you go back to the picture of the sailboat, this is very different. You set your sail, you catch the wind, and the wind is going to carry you. Now, This is Pentecost Sunday, and every year on this Sunday, we focus on the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is a pretty healthy analogy for us. In that, in the Scripture, you remember there's this reference to the Holy Spirit being this rushing mighty wind. I I think that in all reality, as followers of Jesus, when we catch the wind of the Spirit, the Spirit helps us to accomplish and do things we could not do. Go back to the next picture if we were doing it on our own. In the rowboat, it's pretty much just left up to what you could accomplish in your own power and your own strength. But in a sailboat, you get this other push of power that comes with the wind, the Spirit, that helps you along. And so when I think about my own life, here's where I land. There's only so much that I can do in my own strength and power. I'm very, very limited. In fact, I don't have any strength and power on my own. Everything comes from God. But when I tap into the Spirit, The Spirit helps me to live in such a way that I could not live on my own. The Spirit helps me to accomplish things that I could not accomplish on my own. The Spirit moves me forward in my journey with God in a way that I could not move forward on my own. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. We have been for the last eight weeks in the Gospel of John as we have moved through the season of Easter and now we're at Pentecost Sunday. And in this Gospel of John, we spent the last several weeks in what we call a farewell discourse. So this is where Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm going away, but it's going to be okay. And what he does in the end of chapter 13, all of 14, 15, 16, and 17, is he reminds them and tries to comfort them with his impending departure coming. He talks to them about what's going to happen next. He tells them that His work on earth is not ending. You guys are actually going to carry it on. And all those who are going to come after you, meaning like you and me, we're going to carry the work of Jesus on. And he talks about that in this passage this morning. And then he says, and this is how the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. And so, let me take you to John chapter 14. I'm going to start with verse 8, okay? So here we go. Jesus has said, I'm going away, and the questions start flying. Thomas says, Hey, you said we could come to where you are, but we don't even know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Hey, Thomas, I'm the way. Philip has a question. Philip said, Lord, hey, before you go, could you do us a favor? Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. 
Can you just, before you leave, do us one favor, Jesus? Could you just put an end to all the ambiguity? Could you just put an end to all of our questions? Could you just show us what God is really like? Just do that for us before you leave because that's what's really driving us and concerning us. We just want to know what God's like. And so Jesus answered, Philip, are you kidding me? (laughs) Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? And I love these words. You ready for them? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Philip, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say this? Show us the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing His work. So believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least, at least, Philip, would you just believe on the evidence of the works themselves? I mean, you've seen what I've been doing. So very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Just because I'm going away doesn't mean my work stops. You guys are going to be doing the work. And they will do even greater things. What does that mean? Than these, he says. So, because I'm going away, I'm going to the Father, you're going to carry the work. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask Me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father. And he will give. So there's a gift, okay? You another advocate. I've been your advocate, but you're going to have another advocate, a second advocate. He's going to help you, and he's going to be with you forever. I'm talking about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives in you, and he's going to be with you. Now let me drop down to verse 25, okay? All this I've spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Even though I'm going away, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So this is God's word for us today. Seven years ago, I, uh, I moved here and on my very first Sunday, it was Easter. And then the next Sunday, we actually weren't here, we were moving. And then the next Sunday, which was my actual second Sunday to preach, I started a series, and we talked about it in terms of picture of God. So I carry a phone in my pocket with me everywhere I go. And uh, on my phone, I have tons of pictures. Guess who I have pictures of on my phone? You guessed it, family and uh, Sadie and uh, other people. And so everywhere I go, I've got these pictures. And sometimes people ask me questions. I pull out my phone. Let me show you a picture, you know. Did you know that I also carry another picture with me everywhere I go? It's a picture of God. Yeah. Everywhere I go, I carry with me this picture of God. This this image of what I believe God is like. Everywhere I go, I take it with me. 
So what you might call it is my theology. It's what I have come to learn about God. It's what I've come to know about God. It's who I believe God is. It's what I believe God's like. It's my picture of God. Breaking news. You carry a picture of God with you everywhere you go as well. Everybody has one. There is this idea that you have about God. This image that you carry of what God is like. Your own theology. What you believe about God. You take it with you everywhere you go in life. Now here's the real question. Is your picture of God an accurate picture? This picture that you carry around. Is that what God is really like? This theology that you live with, this belief system that you have acquired, is it accurate? I wonder if anybody would ever look at your picture of God and say, hey, that's not Him. I'm telling you, I know God and He's not like that. You've got the wrong guy. That's not His picture. So my friend Jim is here today and years ago... And, and I'll explain how many years, because what he handed me was a cassette tape. So that was a long time ago, right? I was a very young preacher. I was pastor of my first church. My friend Jim Fitzgerald said, uh, I think maybe you would like to hear this guy. His name is Fred Craddock. I think he's a great preacher, and he teaches preaching. And I took that cassette tape, and I put it in my cassette player in my car, because every car had a cassette player. And I listened to this sermon. And I loved it. And it's burned into my memory. And so I won't say it as well or as accurately as Fred Craddock said, but he takes this story of Philip asking Jesus what God is like. And here's how he tells the story. One day Jesus is with his disciples and there are these two blind men. And they came to Jesus and said, Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want to see. And so Jesus gave them their sight. And they were able to see for the first time in their lives And the disciples are watching all of this happen, and they just look at each other and say, can you imagine that? Look what just happened. And then they turned to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, do us a favor, would you? Could you show us what God's like? And Craddock says on another occasion, Jesus is with his disciples. And little kids started running up to Jesus, and the disciples were saying, hey, get the kids back. We're trying to have the kingdom of God here. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Let them come to me. And the kids ran and jumped into Jesus' arms. And Jesus ends up on the ground rolling around with the kids and playing. And the disciples just kind of scratched their head and said, who would have thought it? And then they say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, could you do us a favor? Could you show us what God is like? And there was another occasion that this lady was brought to Jesus and thrown at his feet. She had been caught in the bed of adultery. They said, Jesus, the law says we should stone her. And Jesus says, splendid idea. Let's get at it. I'll tell you how we'll go about it. The one among you that has no sin, you throw the first stone. And one by one, they drop their rocks and they walk away. And Jesus says, where are those who condemn you? And she said, there are none. And he says, well, then neither do I condemn you. Go. Now leave your life of sin. And the disciples said, can you imagine that? And then they turn to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, 
Could you do us one favor? Can you tell us what God's like? And Craddock says that Jesus turns to Philip and says, Philip, have you been with me all of this time? Are you kidding me, Philip? You've been with me all of this time and you don't know what God is like. And so Jesus picks up a cross and he starts up a hill. And he says, Philip, this is what God is like. Loving and touching and blessing and healing and forgiving and loving. Look at Jesus' own words. Hey, Philip, anybody, anybody who has seen me has seen the Father. And so the idea is that Jesus was just not simply right about who God was. The full presence of God was in Jesus. So there's this um, New Testament scholar that I like a lot. He's very helpful to me. His name is N.T. Wright. And here's what N.T. Wright says. Oh, I'm sorry. Would you go to the next slide for me? Don't come with a set, fixed idea of who God is. And try to fit Jesus into that. So if you're telling me that I can see God in Jesus... Craddock says, don't show up with this set, fixed idea of who God is and then try to fit Jesus into that. Don't come with this idea of what you believe about God and try to fit Jesus into that. Don't come with a set, fixed idea of who God is and try to fit Jesus into that. Craddock says, no, look at Jesus, the Jesus who wept at the tomb of his friend and the Jesus who washed his followers' feet and you will see who the true God is. You say, Rick, how important is it? How important is it that I come to understand God in the life of Jesus? And, and, I, and I'll quit quoting people after this, but A.W. Tozer once said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Tozer says the most important thing about you today is your theology. The most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. What you believe about God. And that the picture that you carry around with you everywhere you go of what God is like is accurate. And the only place that you find a true picture of God is when you look at Jesus. He is the exact representation of the being of God. So that's where we are. And, and we know there's more to the story. And what we know about the story is that the story continues with this news where Jesus says, I'm going away. I'm going to the Father. And what he really means when he says, I'm going to the Father, is that in that process, in my own death and resurrection, I will defeat death and the world will be changed because of it. Your lives will all be different because of it. Death is going to be defeated. I will do it on the cross and in the resurrection. And so what Jesus is saying to the disciples are that life is going to change for you. Okay? And so I'm going to give you two promises, he says. And the two promises are these. One is that my followers, my disciples, you're going to do great works. Meaning you guys, all right, 
people sitting around you. If you look at the person beside you, that's who Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the people sitting in front of you and in back of you and beside you. You guys are going to do great works. And then he says, your prayers are going to be answered. So why don't we take a minute and focus on those two promises and let you just kind of unwrap them a little bit, okay? Promise number one says, whoever believes in me, that's you. Do you believe in Jesus? Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. In other words, just because I'm going away, it doesn't mean that all of my work is going to stop. It doesn't mean that the whole Christian movement just comes to a screeching halt and it's all over with. No, 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 no. It's going to continue. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. Here's what's amazing. And they will do even greater things than these. Now, what in the world does it mean that you and I are going to do greater things? Is he trying to say that we're going to do greater things than Jesus did? I mean, how could that possibly be? Because Jesus raised people from the dead, right? I've never raised anybody from the dead. And Jesus actually changed people's hearts and lives. Like Zacchaeus, for example, was going that direction. He stops dead in his tracks. He turns around and his life heads the other direction. His heart changed. Or is Jesus saying that I am going to put my power in all of you. And as all of you have this power, then there's going to be a great outpouring of works that will happen all through the world. And what in the world does he mean that we're going to do the works that he's been doing? Like, what kind of works? And I think our first reaction is to say, what kind of works, Pastor Rick? You don't get it, man. Don't you understand? We're talking about miraculous signs. And I do think that's what he meant. And I think that's what happened in the book of Acts. And I think those people believed that Jesus was serious. And I think amazing things happened. And there were lots of miraculous signs taking place and lots of people being healed. But what about the other works that Jesus did? Like the time that he says, uh, can you hand me that basin and that towel? Uh, my boys here, they got dirty feet. I can wash feet. That's something I can do. Or what about all the works of love that Jesus accomplished? And I tend to believe that Jesus was saying that I'm going to empower you to love like I love and to serve like I serve. And the world is going to experience your love and your service. And the world's going to change. But none of this is going to happen. Jesus says, until I leave and the Spirit comes. The second promise, it's all about prayer. I'll do whatever you ask in my name. It doesn't mean that we just pray some ridiculous prayer about you know, wanting, um, you know, a bigger, nicer new boat. And if we just had the word in Jesus name, then he's obligated to do it. When we pray in Jesus name, what we are doing is taking on the very character, the heart, the desire of Jesus. And so when we are instructed in scripture, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. It would be saying, 
Can I say this to my friend Jeff in the name of Jesus? Would, would this honor Jesus? Would this please Jesus? Would Jesus be okay with this? And so it means that when I pray in Jesus' name, I'm praying in something that I believe would honor and exalt and lift up Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say, it's not really about lifting me up as much as it's about lifting up the Father. I want Him to be glorified. But none of this happens until I go away and until the Spirit comes. So let's talk about that, okay? So on uh, Tuesday nights, I, uh, I show up over at the FLC many Tuesday nights for a prayer group. So I love it when God raises people up in the church to lead prayer groups. And so there's a guy who attends here with his wife, Tim, and Lisa Hawes. And um, maybe a year or two ago, they started a prayer group on Tuesday night in the FLC. Small number of people come, but let me tell you, you could come. In fact, they would open their arms to you. They would love for you to come at 6.30 on Tuesday night. And pray with them. I mean, you, you are like way more than welcome. They would be glad to have you come. And pray together. And so Thursday morning, after I've been there on Tuesday night, two days later, I'm playing golf with some friends. It's my day off. And I, and I realize because my phone kind of keeps buzzing in my back pocket that uh, somebody's having a conversation on my phone. And so at some point, I just kind of stop and I look at my phone and... It's that prayer group. And they're talking about a young lady who attends our church, a young mom, wife, named Abby Robston. She's the daughter of Tim and Marsha Mossart. And Abby has been in this fight with cancer for a few months now. And so she had just gotten some really hard news about some new spots that appeared and we were praying they wouldn't appear and so finally, in this group text through the day, somebody says, um, why don't we meet at the church again tonight? We just met Tuesday. Why don't we meet again tonight and invite Abby's friends and family and, and let's pray for her tonight. And so that's what happened. So Annette and I, we came Tuesday night and we met in a room over here and it was probably not a big enough room. The room was just packed with people. There were people kind of overflowing out into the hallway and I thought about when the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts and there were 120 in the upper room. I got a feeling there was about 120 people in there the other night. And the Holy Spirit came in such a powerful way. And so the next morning I got up to go to work and I decided I would run by the hospital first. And I ran by to check on Abby and her and her husband Michael. And then I talked to her dad, Tim later on on Friday, and they all said to me, you do not know how much it means to our family to have that many people just pour out to pray for us. And many people were praying for many other places. You just don't have any idea when people come alongside you like that, when you're in this season of your life, what it means. The courage, the faith it gives us, the encouragement it is. And by the way, Abby says to me on Friday morning, Pastor Rick, I'm telling you, Jesus touched me last night. My neck is different than it was yesterday. My walk is different than it was yesterday. Something has happened in my body. I believe Jesus is touching me. Isn't that awesome? And so, Jesus says, 
here's what I'm going to do. The Father is going to give you a gift. The gift is another advocate. Now, Jesus is the first advocate. Okay, that's how the Bible refers to him in other verses. An advocate in Greek secular literature in the day that Jesus gives us this language was the word paraclete. And what it means would be an advocate in the court of law. It's somebody who's going to come alongside you and testify and defend you. Almost fell off the stage right there. First time that's ever happened. Almost lost it. Wouldn't that have been crazy, you know? But I'm going to give the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to be beside you, come alongside you. When you need Him, He's going to be there with you. He's going to help you. Someone, just like for Abby and her family, Rick, you don't know what it means when somebody comes alongside you. Jesus says, I'm going to have someone alongside you the whole way. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He will help you. He will teach you. He will remind you of what I've told you. He's going to bless you. In fact, let me take you to the actual words, okay? If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And so this is what God will give us. Let me give you that other language. I think it's worth putting up. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, what's he going to do? Teach you all things. And he will remind you of everything I've said to you. Here's the deal. You're not alone. The Father has given us His Holy Spirit to walk with us and to help us and to guide us and to teach us. And what I would love to do this morning is dispel some bad thinking. And here's the bad thinking. The bad thinking would be somebody who is looking at me right now saying, Rick, I want to live this life. I'm telling you, man, I want to do it, but I can't seem to do it. I want to be the person that God wants me to be, but I can't live that life. I'm telling you, I've tried and I can't do it. And I want you to begin to think the way of truth. And truth says that God has given you everything you need by the power of His Spirit to live the life that He has called you to live. And you can live it because of the power of the Spirit. We're not talking about rowboats, people. We're talking about sailboats. You're not limited just to do what you can get done on your own. And if I can't do it, then I can't get it done. No, no, no. You set your cell and you catch the wind of the Spirit. And the Spirit's power comes along and takes you places you could not go on your own. And gives you the ability to live the life that you cannot live by yourself. You are not alone. The Father has given you the Holy Spirit. So let me try to wrap it up in a story. So stories come from experiences. And I think when you're a pastor, many experiences can become stories. Okay? It's just the way it is. All right? But years ago, I had an experience that became a story. And stories tend to shape our lives. Good stories shape our lives in a positive way. Stories that are not true have a negative effect on us. This is a true story. So Annette and I went one night to a um, fundraising dinner. We were living in Nashville at the time. I was a very young pastor. And um, it was a big deal. It was a raising money effort for a ministry in Nashville. And they had it 
at the Opryland Hotel in the Grand Ballroom. Thousands of people there. Um, when I say thousands, I mean maybe like a couple thousand. And they had brought in like big names in contemporary Christian music to draw a crowd, and it worked. So we're sitting at a table, and they would talk about the ministry. It was a well-planned program, and then like some great Christian artist would step up and say, hey, I believe in this ministry. That's why I'm here tonight, and they would sing. And when they would finish, we would all, you know, clap for them, and, you know. And, and I noticed the stage was here, and just kind of right in front of me, this table, there were these people that I didn't know, of course, but it was odd what happened. Like, somebody would sing and we would all clap and this, this one guy would look at his person with him, this lady, smile, he'd hold up his right hand and she would hold up her left hand and they would clap like that, you know. I thought that was kind of odd. I, you know, Annette and I, we're, we're kind of touchy, you know, we, we hold hands a lot and, and uh, we're, I think we're fairly affectionate as a couple, but hey, when we clap, we just clap on our own. You know, we don't get into that weird thing, you know, of, you know, it's... And so, so somebody else sings and they all clap, you know, and, and I look up and sure enough, they do it again. He smiles, holds up his hand, she holds up hers and they clap. And finally, I just get to the point of just thinking, well, I don't even know how I feel about that, you know. And so finally the whole evening ends and we all stand up. And it was not until then that I noticed that at the end of his sport coat, there was no hand. Everything stopped right at his wrist. You know what the truth was? The only way he could clap was if someone lend him a hand. And that story has had great power in my life. It's served as a great reminder. And I've told it for years. There are things I can't do on my own. There's a life I can't live in my own strength. There is a person I will never be. If it's up to me. I'm not talking about rowboats. I'm talking about sailboats. But with the power of the Spirit at work in my life, I can live the life that God has called me to live. I can be the person God has called me to be. But without the Spirit... There's so much I cannot do. I think this is significant that I say this now. Bad thinking would say, Jesus came to change God's heart. No, no, no. Jesus came to express what is in God's heart. And so on the cross... It was God loving you. It was God taking your sin upon Himself. On the cross, it was God dying for you. And so it is the same with the Spirit. 
with the Spirit, it is God at work in your life. It is God empowering you. It is God helping you. It is God teaching you. It is God reminding you. It is God blessing you. It is God transforming you. I'm here to tell you today that God is on your side. Wanting you to live the life that He's called you to live. And so I'm going to pray briefly, and then in a moment, Timmy's going to come up and invite you to maybe fill out some things on a card. And then after that, he's going to invite you to come to the altar, if you like. And it feels like to me, since it's just us here today, that it would be a great day if you feel the need to pray that you would come and pray. And I know that some of you walk in the room with heavy loads, and you may want to come and pray about what's going on in your life. And some of you may need healing, and you say, you know, that, that healing power that you talked about, I need that in my life today. There'll be pastors who would love to pray with you. And it may be that you've been living your life with this false narrative that says, I just can't do it. And God is saying, you're right, you can't do it. But with the help and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do it. And you want to come today and you want to talk to the Father and you want to pray for power to live the life He's called you to live. And so, Lord, we commit this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will speak in ways that I can't speak today. that you will empower us in Jesus' name. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.